I do believe that God's people, when we come together and we fellowship, we love one another. There's a great power and energy and faith being built up when we love one another in the Lord. I'm telling you what, they just can't put that stuff in the bottle. If they could, it would, it would make millions and millions of dollars. But it's something that's spiritual and supernatural. And I praise God for it. Thank you so very much. I have felt compelled <clears throat> that every week I'm going to, going to do a video and put it on Facebook. The Lord has laid it on my heart to remember back of last year of asking people and asking them, where were you last Easter? What were you doing last Easter? And I say that because of many churches, including this one, could not gather because of the pandemic and the concern, the fear involved. And so we followed that, that path. I'm here to declare to you that we need, and every Christian needs to seize this moment and go to, to the house of worship on Easter this year. We need it for our faith. We need it as a faith declaration of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection power. So I just want you to remember what, what you were doing last year, what was going on. I don't know about you. I sat here. I stood here in an empty room. And I'd never seen that before in my whole 40 years of ministry and of pastoring. Never seen that. It was the first time in my life. And I thought, oh, Lord, I know we're doing it digital and preaching to Brother Mevo uh, camera right here in the center aisle. And I know that all of us joined together and we did things that brought us together by giving out the packs for Good Friday. And we took communion together digitally on the on going live and and we we did that together and we put the cloth over our doors and and, and such signifying the blood of Jesus Christ and Lord keeping us I just want to encourage you to tell your friends and your family I don't care it's not about this church I just feel that we need to we need to shake the heavens with praise and glory to our to our Savior and to our King we need to give we need to give credit where credit is due. We need to give credit where credit is due. And I somehow feel that this Easter in my spirit is just, it's very pivotal in the houses of worship. So just get the word out. Invite people to church here or tell your family they go to church somewhere else. Tell them, go to church. Go to church on Resurrection Sunday and celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. How many here are glad Jesus came out of the tomb? <laughs> Hallelujah. It was a knockout punch, I'll tell you. Praise the Lord. Knockout punch for the devil. Praise God. I'd like for you to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 22 through 33. And, and just now, I want you to know, I'm just going to go sort of like verse by verse, and you just follow me along. But I just feel like this, this, this account in Scripture builds faith and will do something to each and every one of our faith this morning. And I just believe it's something we need to hear. I kind of left Peter in the middle of the water last week and he probably would like to get out of the sea and at least get in the boat, back in the boat. But I tell you, the way the Lord was moving, the Holy Spirit was moving, we just had to stop at the beckoning of the Holy Spirit and obey him. And I praise the Lord those who got saved last Sunday morning. 
I thank God for that. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, 22 through 33. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I am asking you, God, that you will move upon each and every one of us. Your word is alive. Your word is anointed. And so this preacher standing before you, Lord, asking you, God, for your anointing on me, that as I begin to speak and as all of us sitting in this room, Lord, that we will receive a rhema word, a powerful living word, and faith be lifted up in this house. And Lord, that you'll do a magnificent work, a miraculous work. Lord, as we talk about your miraculous walking on the water, Lord, you can do something miraculous in this room by the power of your spirit. Lord, we glorify you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I just feel compelled right now, the Holy Spirit and faith in the house right now. I just want you, everyone in the house, I want you to begin to pray and speak out and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, cancer be healed. Cancer be healed. There are people facing a battle with this, and in the name of Jesus Christ, let healing now flow in everyone's body that's dealing with cancer. In the name of Jesus Christ. Better than radiation. Better than chemo. Is the living, powerful touch of Jesus. Heal now, Lord. In Jesus' name, we speak against cancer. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Cancer, you can't lurk around and be hid. We expose you in the name of Jesus Christ. And you're defeated. In Jesus' name, glory to God. Glory to God. I just felt the move of the Spirit and faith rising up for us to do that. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 40, 14, ver, beginning with verse 22. Let the Holy Spirit, my friends, let it begin to touch you in the words of the Gospel. A true account. This isn't a story. This really happened. Verse 22 of Matthew 14 Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. The multitudes were there because they had their hunger filled earlier. Jesus fed them a special lunch when he fed the 5,000. I'm telling you, never was there a meal like that meal. The people longed for that and they wanted, they just started seeing everything for what, they could receive rather than seeing the master for who he is. Now, I want you to know you can criticize people like that, but a lot of people today are like that. They just pray to God when they can receive something. They never pray to him in worship. They, they never lift up praise to him for who he is. It's always, Lord, I need another handout. Jesus, I need you to do something for me. And most folks only pray when at the moment in time that, that they need to get filled and that they're hungry that way. But I'm telling you that Jesus is looking for those to find him who he really is. Acknowledge him as being Lord and Savior. A lot of people in the world, they want to talk a whole lot about Jesus the Savior, but they don't want to talk about Jesus the Lord. He can't be your Savior if he's not your Lord. I'm telling you, if you're not following after Jesus Christ and you prayed a little lay me down to sleep prayer for salvation and you're living like the devil, you are not saved. 
because Jesus is not Lord in your life. You let him be your Savior and you let him be your Lord. What happens at the time of judgment is not it's revealed Jesus the Savior. Jesus sits on the throne as Jesus the Lord and the judge. Allow him to be Lord of your life. Submit yourself to him. Follow him. It's not hard. It's great to just rely on him and trust in him. He'll tell you when you're going to do the wrong thing, and he'll, and he'll tell you when you're doing the right thing. That's the job of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit tells us, I've never met a person yet that wasn't about ready to sin and, and go back on God that didn't get a tug on their heart and a voice ringing out to them saying, don't do it. I don't know why I'm going this way. I just trust in God. But I, I will tell you that the Lord loves you that much. He'll tell you what not to do. He'll tell you what to do because it's a relationship with him. Praise God. Praise God. So here, Jesus, he sent the multitudes away. He sent them away. And he told his disciples at the time, he said, I'll take care of the multitudes. You get in the boat and go over to the other side. And I want you to say this with me this morning. I believe it with all my heart. This is a word for us, a prophetic word. I want you to raise your hand and repeat this after me. And say, after March, we'll know how it is to be on the other side. One more time. After March, we'll know how it is to be on the other side. And we're now getting in the boat, my friend. You're not safe. I just want to tell you, we're getting in the boat, and we're going over to the other side. And, and whatever was on that side is still on that side. We're going to go over to the other side. Amen, amen. Make a decision. Those things that were tormenting, those things that are difficult, you just leave them on the bank on the side you're rowing away from. And believe God that you're going on the other side. I believe March is that month, and March is maybe the sea. And we're going over the sea, and we're going to see in April how it is to be on the other side. How it is to be on the other side. Jesus sent the multitudes away. There's always more voices that are going to be contrary to what God wants than those who are going to compliment you in having faith in the Lord. The, the multitudes, uh, the big number of people are going to say, you're foolish. I can't believe you're believing in that. I can't believe that you're going to church. I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you're doing that. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. I can't believe that you won't do this and, 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 and that you won't do that. And they'll, they'll criticize you. Let me tell you, criticism comes real easy, doesn't it? I mean, just, I mean, just go and post something good on Facebook and see and look at the comments that come out. There are people who want to let you know, hey, man, you got to get real. Who says we got to? Listen, Jesus is real. His word is real. His promises are real. Let's walk in that reality. Then everything else, the multitude can have the other reality. We're going to have a God reality and what's in his word. Now, Jesus sent and took care of the multitudes. Those multitudes represent the negative vibes that you might receive stepping into the boat 
Why are you getting in that boat? Why are you traveling on the other side? Just hang around here a little longer. Just stay here. Just go and, and, and linger here. You don't need to get out of here. You don't need to go anywhere. But those who are, uh, those who are the multitude are the ones who are more of a hindrance and a help in your walk of faith. Does anybody have to deal with the multitude sometimes? Yeah, the multitude's in your office at work. Multitudes out there at the workplace in the shop. Multitudes all around of those who are lost are going to be critical of your faith in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you that we're living in a day and time that if you stand for Jesus Christ, you're going to be a target. You're going to be, but that's okay. I'm, I'll be a target any day, a target of God's blessings, the target of God's strength. The target of his favor. The target of his Holy Ghost power. The target of God. If I become a target to the world, then I'm a target to God. And that, that overrules anything that might come against me. God before us, who can be against us? Yeah, amen. Those voices we hear around us that will mock us and try to sow seeds of doubt to your faith. Jesus will take care of those multitudes. And those who, dis, who are disclaimers of the promise, the distractors of your mission, the disdainers of your step of faith, you and I just need to move on. Move on. Move on. Move on. Move on. Get in that boat. Go to the other side. And Jesus said, I'll take care of the multitudes. Remember, your destination is secure. You just need to move on. Jesus said, you're going on the other side. You're going there. You're going to get there. Your destination is secure. Just get in the boat and go over to the other side. Just do what the master says and believe in him and know that what he says is true. Verse 23 says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Jesus went up the mountain to pray. He sent the multitudes away. He went up the mountain to pray, and the disciples got into the boat as Jesus told them to do so. He went up to the mountain to pray. He wasn't praying for himself. I believe he was praying for his disciples. I believe Jesus is praying for you. I, I truly believe Jesus is praying to the Father about you and about you and I and our condition and what's going on. And that Jesus was probably praying for those disciples that they might go all the way in their destination and not run into the storm and go halfway, turn around, and come back. The devil would like you to just go halfway. You run into your storm. Hey, I can't deal with this. I can't row against this. I can't face this. And the devil would like you to just turn around and go and join in with the multitudes. But Jesus prayed for them that they would be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know that your work, your labor is not in vain. And so they keep pressing. You're in the storm, honey, keep rowing. Believing what the Lord has told you, if he told you he's going to do something, he's going to keep his word. If the word tells you you're healed, you just keep on facing the storm and keep on rowing and say in Jesus' name, he said, I'm going to make it to the other side and then I'm going to be healed. I'm just going to go to the destination Jesus told me to go. And just be that determined and keep going. Well, Jesus went up the mountain to pray. He prayed and praying. In verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Look, turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the middle of it. You're in the middle of it. I'm not talking about cutting grass and you step on something, I, but you're in the middle of it. You're in the middle of a storm. 
You're in the middle of the water. You're in the middle of your destination. God has plans for you. He's got somewhere for you to go. Do you think you're saved just so one day you just make it into heaven and that's it? You know, kind of like dodging people and going around people until I finally make it there. No, no, no. You're called to make a difference in this world. You're called to be a world changer. You're called to reach people for Jesus Christ. You're called to be anointed and used by God. And let me tell you, turn to your neighbor and say, God ain't done with me yet. God is not done with you and he's got a plan for you and you're going to make a difference. You got a purpose. You have a purpose in Christ. This storm was a different kind of storm. We sure would have loved at times when we have a storm that it's just that storm Jesus stands up and rebukes it and stops. How many are all gone? All peaceful? On our way now? But it wasn't that. This it certainly wasn't that storm when Jesus stood up and rebuked the winds and the wave and the storm and they calmed and everything's fine. This episode, Jesus wasn't even in the boat. Jesus wasn't even in the boat. This storm, you couldn't rebuke it and make it go away. This storm is necessary. This storm is necessary. Let me, let, let me say something very broad scale here okay and large I don't I don't wish anything bad that has happened but it's happened and there have been a whole lot of saints of God that have been rebuking and rebuking the storm that this whole nation has gone through and still going through but I want you to know there was a reason for that storm that these disciples were in and maybe perhaps there's a reason for the storm that we're in right now but the Christians are not supposed to give up on our mission and go and give up on our destination. But I will tell you that if there was ever, ever a reason for the storm, the storm was to finally slow them down so that Jesus would catch up with them. Sometimes you need to be slowed down. Sometimes you're going down a path you shouldn't and you're playing with things you shouldn't play with. Sometimes you, you and I become too self-sufficient and so filled with pride and we're, look what I'm doing and look what I'm going to do and look what I have. But then all of a sudden a storm happens and, and, and we go and look and say, why? Why is this storm? This storm is horrible. I don't know what's going on. Well, I want you to know Jesus may be slowing you down so that he will catch up with you and you will behold and know who he really is that he's the master of everything he ain't nobody like our Jesus ain't nobody can take care of something like Jesus ain't nobody can cover the details like our Jesus ain't nobody can overcome the things that we can't seem to deal with and ain't nobody can defy the law of gravity or even defy the law of what's on water goes down in the water it sinks only Jesus defies the laws of gravity the laws of science only Jesus is the water walker hallelujah So they were slowed down in the middle of the lake. Maybe you're in the middle. Turn to your neighbor and say, I believe I'm in the middle. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. But Jesus told him, he said, go and get in the boat. Notice in the verse of Scripture in 24 that nothing is said. The next verse in verse 24 in the storm and everything, nothing was said about the, the disciples. It was just the boat. 
The boat was a subject, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Not the disciples were now in the middle of the sea on their way, but the boat was the subject. Let me tell you, your boat is a good boat. If you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, then your boat that you're in is a boat of faith. And that faith boat you're in is built for the storm. It's built for the circumstances. Your faith will hold up if you put your faith in Jesus Christ and believe in his word. That boat is going to hold you up. I said it last week, I'll say it again. If you were to ask the boat and ask the boat to testify your faith, your faith would say you should trust in what the Lord has placed you in. I was built for this. I'm assigned to get you where you are to go. The Lord is not expecting you to do it on your own, but he's placed you in a vehicle of faith where that you can do all things through Jesus Christ. A faith that is victorious, a faith that's going to see victory throughout your life and victory to the very end of your life. A faith that's going to carry you not only in this life, but forever and forever and forever and forever. I want you to turn your neighbor. And you said, hey man, I might as well, I might as well get half the pastor's pay because I'm helping him preach this morning. I've been in some churches, I think the congregation should be paid to have to listen to that pastor. I mean, really. Yeah, you know, really. I mean, really, honestly. And I know the scripture says touch not the anointed, but boy, sometimes you really want to look for some oil and it's just not there. Amen. Amen. If I have to scream and raise my voice and wave my arms and jump up and down to keep you energized or whatever or listen to what I have to say, I want you to do the, just understand, hey, I'm, in, I'm having a great time up here. Why don't just everybody get up here with me right now? Hey, man, I'm, I'm having a great time because I sense the presence of God. I know that God is too big to fill to be able to uh, sit on this platform, and he's too big to even be in this sanctuary. But the same presence I feel up here, you've got to be feeling it back there. How many are feeling the presence of the Lord? Turn to your neighbor and say this. Say, neighbor, come on, look. I, I ain't going to go any further until you do it. Look at your neighbor. Your husband or wife, I guess it might be rude to call your wife a hey, neighbor. But we'll just say, say this. Say, neighbor, congratulations on surviving the worst season of your life. And you will make it because here comes Jesus. Hallelujah. You're rolling. You don't know how you're going to make it, but here comes Jesus. Uh, Jesus catching up to those know-it-all disciples thinking these fishermen that know how to be on the water. Jesus said, you may know how to roll on the water, but I know how to walk on the water. Hallelujah. 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 The Bible says in Mark chapter 6, the same account of the scripture, that as they're in, at the fourth watch, 3 o'clock in the morning. It's scary at 3 o'clock in the morning, isn't it? Have you ever been up at 3 o'clock in the morning? Raise your hand. You can't even find a decent TV program at 3 o'clock in the morning. Used to be when I was a boy, the TV stations went off the air. All you had to was this this uh, this this Indian headdress on there with numbers and a round screen and going eh. 
That's all you ever saw at 3 o'clock in the morning. 3 o'clock in the morning. There's a, they signed off. This is over. We're not, we're not hanging in here anymore but 3 o'clock in the morning. When you've done all your rolling all night long, you've tried to rest, you've tried to be at ease, you've tried to deal with what's going on in your mind, and you're still going in the storm, and you're in the middle of a storm. There's a wind that's blowing against you. And we do have winds that blow against us. But at that 3 o'clock in the morning, it suddenly 3 o'clock became a very holy moment, a very holy time. And you can make your 3 o'clock in the mornings holy too. You just pray to God. If God, God wakes you up, just start praying. If you're up, just start praying. Uh, for goodness sake, be praying for me. But start praying and ask God, minister to people, minister to my family, minister to my neighbor, minister to me. God, I want you to have your will and way in my life at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's a good time for a prayer meeting. 3 o'clock in the morning at the, third, at the fourth watch, the Bible says in Mark chapter 6, it says, Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Jesus came again. Amen. Oh, by the way, I want to tell you, you don't have to go out and find Jesus. He'll come looking for you. He'll come looking for you. You don't have to go out looking for him. I think Jesus had the best GPS possible to find that little boat where no one else is going across the water that time of night, and there they are trying to make it across there, and Jesus walking. But the Bible says in Mark chapter 6 that... While Jesus is said here, there was Jesus walking on the sea, as he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by, and then they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out. Jesus walking at 3 o'clock in the morning. He's walking on the water. He's walking in the sea. And it looks as though, suppose he's going to walk right by them. And that is so biblical in the Old Testament, symbolic of God passing by Moses, showing his divine, his divinity, his power, his superiority, walking past them. In other words, I want to tell you, you need Jesus to lead the way. It's over. Jesus, you can pass by as long as I keep my eyes on you and go where you're going. Peter got the right idea. They cried out. They thought it was a ghost in the book of Mark. No other gospel account has recorded Peter walking on the water except in the book of Matthew. But here in Mark, it says, and they cried out. I believe somehow in that crying out was the definition of Peter calling out to the Lord and saying, Lord, if it's you, let me come out there where you're at. Bid me to come. Oh, here we go. Jesus come looking for you. Jesus says when, I'm going to go to verse 25 and through 27. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Why is Jesus, Jesus is always like that. He's always telling them, don't be afraid. Don't be, well, you know why? Because we're prone to get scared. Faith can pop up anywhere, can't it? We can be in a moment of emergency and at the hospital and we believe in prayer and believe in God, but we could be going through the whole episode with our family and being worried and scared and not even pray to God. 
Because he knows we're prone to be afraid, but here Jesus will address the very need of us. He knows what we're made of. He doesn't expect you to be a superman. He expects you to be you. And he'll accept you for being you. And he just will assure you and say, don't be afraid. Now, here it is. Jesus walking on the water. You've got these Jewish guys sitting in a boat who heard since their childhood the Bible of the scriptures of the Pentateuch and the teaching of the prophets. And this was their schooling. They understood they had the Old Testament. Got to understand. The New Testament had not been written. They had nothing to go by like you and I do. You know? And so nothing in their background had prepared them for this. Because you see, the Bible talks about that Moses had split the Red Sea so the children of Israel could go over and dry ground. They could remember Joshua had caused the Jordan River to back up so the people could cross over the Jordan River on dry ground. They can remember Elijah and Elijah both struck the Jordan River so it split open for them to walk across the river on dry ground. They got all these accounts of splitting the water and parting the water. But nobody ever heard of somebody walking on the water. I'm here to tell you this, that just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean God can't do it. We keep on looking for reference points, but God doesn't have a reference point except himself. He said, when the children of Israel, when Moses was telling them to lead them out of Egypt, Moses said, God, they're not going to believe me. What am I to say? Who are you? He said, you just tell them I am that I am. I am that I am. When Jesus spoke to the disciples not to be afraid, he told them, he said, it's I. In, In one translation, actually saying, I am. So I want you to know they had no reference point of anyone ever walking on the water, but Jesus was doing something different. My question to you this morning, are you going to allow Jesus to do something different? Something that you've never seen before. Something you've never beheld with your own eyes. Never even thought it would be in your life. Are you going to let Jesus do something that you have never received before in your life? Quit trying to reach back in the past and gauge the future according to your past. Understand with God, nothing is impossible. And believe and know that you don't have to have yesterday's registry or yesterday's test. Doctors will say, I want to follow your genealogy and find out where your family comes. Honey, you're not a part of the same genealogy anymore. You're blood bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're sons and daughters of God Almighty and your DNA has been changed in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They go and draw blood out of you. You and They do a test on you on blood. You just tell them, hey, hey, did you see anything in there where it says glory, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Do you believe God can do something you've never done before in your life or anything before? Oh, the world's ready for it. We got some eggheads and know-it-alls who act like they know everything. and They somehow, they can talk for us. They can decide for us. They even act like they can determine our destiny. But let me tell you that there is nothing that's made of marble On this planet, no building or association 
or group or organization that's going to determine your destiny. Your destiny is much higher than that. Amen, amen. Those who are in the marble buildings and the white buildings in the Capitol, they got to hang in the boat. But the believer in Jesus Christ can believe in the one who walks on the water. He's the master of your destiny and the plans for your life. Not anybody else. So let the talk keep going. And boy, they know how to talk. Let us start talking. Let's start saying Jesus, King and Master over everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean God can't do it. It's incredible, miraculous feat. Now, I told you we have a different view on scriptures. We, we have the complete volume. We can read from the end to the beginning. They say that hindsight is 2020. You know, we've got that benefit to read back and research that away. Now, Jesus walking on the water, that was that truly was miraculous. However, though, with me living in this age of advantage where that I can read scriptures and seeing scriptures unfold, being able to look at the complete story. Knowing, and I personally know who Jesus is, Son of God, with Jesus walking on the water, let me share with you this morning. I'm not so moved, though I am moved, about the fact that He's God and that, you know, that He walked on the water, but He's God. He can do anything. However, my interest sparks and rises up when I see that Peter walked on the water. I'm not mind blown over Jesus walking on the water, though it's glorious. Please don't misunderstand me. But Peter, Peter walking on the water. The whole idea here is not what God is going to do, but how he's going to work in me. Those opportunities through him that is for me. When Peter walked on the water, I could walk on the water. If loud mouth cursing Peter can walk on the water through the name of Jesus Christ, uh, then that gives me a chance that I can walk on the water. Jesus, yeah, he's the son of God, the king of kings, God almighty, the great I am. He can walk on the water. But now I know that if I have my eyes upon Jesus, uh, that I can step out and believe and walk by faith and that I can walk on the water. Do you know what I'm talking about? So that really thrills me. It thrills me, and that's why Jesus, Peter, he spoke out. Verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I mean, that's all in a nutshell right there. How you walk on water? How can you do the impossible? How can you achieve what doesn't seem to be achievable? You do it to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Let me tell you, 
We criticize Peter. But Peter took a bold step and he had bold faith. Peter is just about to be bold and stepped out on an iffy situation. It's iffy. He said, he said, if it is you, Jesus, command me to come. <laughs> and Jesus said that it was him, and he just said, come. If the Lord tells you to come, then you just get out of that boat, and you just start walking. Now, getting out of that boat might mean that you're going to leave some good saints of God behind, but you're going to go on and walk out where Jesus is because if you're ready to step out, see, Jesus, you can step out on an iffy situation because if Jesus, if God be for us, who can be against us? An iffy situation is a definite situation, a confident situation, if Jesus is in the mix. And if Jesus says, come, you just step out and start walking toward Jesus. Now, I think it was great here that when he heard the word come, he started walking on water, what seemed to be impossible because he was listening to the voice of Christ. Verse 30 says, but when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Now, it doesn't take a whole lot of knowledge. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that whatever is heavier than water itself is going to go under. And it will travel real fast. I thought about having a big container, clear container, just drop a rock in there. You know how quick... A rock floats. You know, just right into the water. It's gone. It's under. There's no time span there. But Peter was beginning to sink. It was a slow, gradual process. Some of you, you're beginning to sink. But by the grace of God, you have not gone under. There's a difference between sink and sunk. You have been through things that have tried to make you sink and you're dealing with it but you're not sunk turn to your neighbor and say I'm not sunk don't say I'm not a skunk say I'm not sunk I haven't been taken all the way under grace has got a hold of me grace has got a hold of me I'm fearful but I may be sinking but I'm not I haven't gone under Grace has got a hold of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. He began to sink, but he didn't sink all the way. Let me tell you this too. It was the one that got out of the boat that ended up being closer to Jesus than everyone else. He took off walking toward the Lord. And the Bible says when he began to sink, he didn't cry out, Hey guys, help me. He would have done that if he stayed close to the boat. But he was almost to where Jesus was. He was in reaching distance of Jesus. He was almost there, but somehow or another, a wave may have come up and blocked his view of Jesus. Something happened. They began to be afraid and begin to sing. And then he had the audacity to say, Lord, save me. Let me tell you, once again, there's that word Lord. For if you look in the scripture, Jesus, Peter said to Jesus when he was in the boat and he saw Jesus walking, he said, Lord, if it's you, 
let me come. He says, come. Then he was going under, and he was going down, and he said, Lord, save me. That's the key, is that Jesus is Lord. If he is Lord in your life, you may be sinking because of something you're going through, but you're not all the way under. You can cry out, Lord, save me. Or you can step out on the Lordship of Christ and begin to walk on water at the beginning. But the key is in Lord. Jesus cannot be a historical figure. Jesus cannot be Mama's Savior, Daddy's Savior. Well, my grandma, grandpa believed Jesus. No, he's got to be your Jesus, and he's got to be your Lord. And that's the only place he'll take is that Lordship. Let me go further. I've got to close it out. At least now he's reached Jesus. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I like the one depiction in the laughing, the movie was considered to be the laughing Jesus, that Jesus actually laughed a little bit, said, oh you little faith, you silly, silly boy, come on, and laughing at him, pulling him up, this, this is the attitude of Christ, okay, he loves you so much that he rejoices with you, when you yield yourself to him, you can rejoice, when Jesus Finally, the scripture says, when Jesus got in the boat, help Peter, and Peter got in the boat, Jesus got in the boat, the wind stopped. No more hard rowing needed. The rowing stopped because Jesus was in the boat. Now, I mean, you could take that as is. You know, don't you want Jesus to be the center of your faith? And your confidence, Jesus, in the boat. But then this is what I want you to see more than anything. Let me see if I got here the verse. Let's see if I've got it written down. Yeah. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and called him. He said to him, oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I mean, we don't find that scripture when he fed the 5,000 that they said, oh, Jesus, truly, you are the Son of God. We don't see it written down anywhere. There were many times when he did healings. You didn't hear the disciples, at least it wasn't recorded, saying, truly, Jesus, you are the Son of God. But when the storm stopped... The acknowledgement was there, and they worshipped him. The worship team, come on up. They worshipped him. The water walker. The impossible, glorious God. Truly, he is the son of God. Truly, in his miraculous work, he's confirmed that he's the son of God. And they worshipped him. I don't think anybody had to encourage anybody to praise the Lord. I think they were just overwhelmed by their experience. Have you had any experience with the Lord? Raise your hand. Then don't you think we need to worship him? Truly worship him. Truly worship him. Hallelujah. How many here this morning are ready to expand your faith and to step out of the boat? 
How many here today are ready to say enough is enough and no more of this other junk? How many here are ready to say, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm moving over to the other side. How many here today are ready to say, I got my eyes on Jesus and I'm going to believe in the miraculous for he is Lord of my life. Every step I take, I'm in the water on top of it or almost in the water, but Jesus is still in front of me.